Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, Internet Wanderers. Welcome back to another episode of Real Psych. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist. And I am Dr. Joanna Whitkin, and I am a cognitive neuroscientist. Real Psych is a new podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies. Hey, J.D., will there be learning? Mm-hmm. Will there be science? Ugh, yes. Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways? I knew you were going to ask it, and the answer is yes! Cha. 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 Gia. Love it. What was that? Gia. Oh, that was, uh, <laughs> remember uh, Ryan Lochte? Gia. Or like, Gia. <laughs> <laughs> what a cultural moment that was. Oh, what a cultural moment. Also, like, here's the thing. He's famously uh famously foolish i think is yeah. the, is the like uh, kindest way to say it sure made, is the kindest some, way some bonehead errors but i really do uh, appreciate his willingness to go on 30 rock and sort of identify as just like yeah man i made some that's my dumb, favorite i did some he dumb played, stuff as he a sex played idiot. sex idiot yeah as a sex idiot <laughs> pizzerina um, sabaro pizzerina sabaro uh yeah I love that. Um, how are you? I'm good. Just kind of a, a normal week. Lots of like just super busy. Nothing, nothing to report. I was gonna say, knowing how stressed you are right now and how overworked <laughs> you feel, the fact that you just realize, like, you know, normal week <laughs> is actually like so depressing. That is true. That's very sad. That's very um, sad. Yeah. No. I I thought I was getting sick from the like being overworked thing Mm, mm -hmm. but then i got like one night of eight hours of sleep and i'm fine again i'll be good for another three weeks do you know what's funny i discovered a new cure for the common cold which like i'd been fighting a little bit of a cold and then um i went to palm springs for Mm -hmm. 36 hours like a very short little trip and on this like and just you know one day just drank a lot of alcohol and then stayed up until like 3.30 in the morning and woke up the next day with like clear noses and, and just like, I think I literally just needed to like vibe for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Like that's it's like a the, reset. It's the darkest, most toxic thing I think I've ever said. Like, sorry, I just had to like vibe for a second. Day. Um, <laughs> Have you tried turning it off and then turning it on? <laughs> I mean, that is, I think, what I had to do. Yeah, It was yeah. like I spent the morning just like chilling by the pool and then like went out way later than I intended to. I did not get super, uh, I did not drink a lot of alcohol. I should name that for those listening. I do not endorse this as an actual medical cure for the common cold. Um, just vibe, vibe but it I just out. vibed. Um, I mean, alcohol kills germs. That is technically true. Technically true. And you know what? This actually, this actually kind of leads me to uh, something I did want to talk about. This was a request from a fan uh, who listens to the podcast uh, who sent a request to us in the DMs that basically was like, hey, um, speaking of 
under-researched large points that people like to make. Um, right now, a lot of stuff is in the news um, about the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial. Yes. And we all talk an awful lot on this podcast uh, about the quality of your research, right? And how research can say something that it doesn't actually prove, right? We, in, in, in statistics, we'll often say something like correlation does not equal causation. And so um, the verdict of this uh, Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial is essentially coming back to say that Amber Heard uh, did uh, commit or did like, you know, is guilty of libel or yep. defamation. I forget which one. I think it was libel, but... I think so, um, too. Which means she wrote it. Defamation mm -hmm. is spoken uh, falsehoods, and um, libel is written. Um, but uh, this is seen as a big win. Uh, social media is just absolutely um, thrilled to see Johnny Depp as, as triumphant, out coming yeah. out on top. People are um, really, really dragging Amber Heard. Uh, and I think one of the important things to note in this is that what it's saying is that some of what Amber Heard said is not, was not found to be true. Mm -hmm. That's not the same thing as saying Johnny Depp did not abuse Amber Heard. Yeah, I think um, there was a couple of disadvantages here. Like Johnny Depp went first. And I yes. feel like the there was such uh, an advantage in doing that in terms of getting the internet on your side. Yes. Where like he was being smirky and kind of charming on the stand and he like you know was just not taking it very seriously and there was some things that yeah uh suggested she was not telling the entire truth but there's also like the burden of proof mm -hmm. for women mm -hmm. is you have to be you know 100 percent perfect mm -hmm. to be believed to mm -hmm. even have a chance of being believed mm -hmm. like you can't be a human and also be abused, right? Like, it, it just seemed like people are so unforgiving once, you know, like, Amber Heard was discredited by the charming Johnny Depp and that, like, people just shut shut the door on her. When, when, she, when she, like, had her testimony and she, all of that stuff came out because she went second. Yeah. There was a lot of disturbing stuff and there was a lot of, like, proof that she had that, Johnny Depp did do shit to her. Right. Uh, this is also not the only ding on Johnny Depp's reputation. This is not the only thing that has happened. And and here's the thing. Uh, Amber Heard, th this is not to also say Amber Heard never did a single wrong thing in their marriage. Oh, totally. It's actually none of our business, to be really frank. And what's happening here is the fact that some of what she did was suspect means that none of her actions right. matter right. and right. convenient uh, other than the evil ones and now conveniently the the narrative is that also none of Johnny's actions matter Johnny did nothing wrong this exactly. evil horrible woman and this is the kind of She's narrative a liar. she is a liar and if you notice how much press something like this gets compared to when somebody comes forward with claims of abuse and mm -hmm. they are sustained and they're upheld. Right. right. And therefore, people just try to get these things to go away. And so now this narrative just serves to discredit women yeah. further. It shows more women. By the way, if you do come forward, you will be subjected to such a high level of scrutiny. Yeah. 
And if you're not 100% perfect in just your background, I mean, this is like in like sexual assault cases, right? Like if they find that you've ever had a one night stand or like, you know, there's anything on the internet of you like at a party with alcohol. They will assassinate your character because someone of quote morally low character cannot Mm -hmm. be assaulted according to the court of public opinion. They were asking for it. They were asking for it. They put themselves in a situation. And the way I usually like to think about this is um, to bring it into psychology and, and to talk about, you know, our level of expertise. Because again, I was not there. I've never met Amber Heard or Johnny Depp. Uh, well, that's it. I've been in the same room as Amber Heard. Um, oh, that's but I've not, she used to take Leslie Kahn uh, back when I was an acting <laughs> student. Um, we were in the same studio. I do not have a relationship with her. I've never uh, had a relationship with her in any way. Um, uh, but what the way I think about this is what we've talked about previously on the podcast is the resolution of cognitive dissonance, right? So people mm. love Johnny Depp. Yeah. We are now presented with new evidence that makes loving him feel icky. Yeah. So we either have to change our opinion about him or refute the evidence. Yeah. There's no it's very hard for people to hold two distinct things, two con- contrasting things in our minds at the same time. It's hard yeah. to say I loved his performances, I think he's charming and wonderful and funny and talented. And he is capable of abuse. He is capable of, you know, gross behavior um, and of hurting someone because we like him so much. We see this similar to what we were just talking about, right? With um, when we hear that someone has been physically assaulted, sexually assaulted, we now feel scared that this might happen to us. So we look for reasons that it happened to them so that we feel better to know that it won't happen to us. Right. There must have been a reason. There must have been a reason. And this is, you know, it's twofold. One, we hate women culturally. But Mm -hmm. but secondly, and I think the bigger one that really upholds this is we need to believe that the world is a safe place. Right? Yeah. We see this in the arguments about guns, right? People are so bought in on their beliefs that having guns are tied to our freedoms in the United States that and that, safety and somehow. safety you know, paradoxically somehow. yes paradoxically and they're so bought in that they are looking for everything else as the answer to what's going on with this this is a this is just people trying to resolve cognitive dissonance and essentially it's it's laziness right it is people choosing not to do the work to engage in what we would call a dialectic Right. Or mm-hmm. holding two contrasting things at the same time. And it's it's so important to go into the and people go into these conversations with such a sided uh, view that, that their beliefs must be proven that they're not engaging in a dialogue. Right. They're only trying to prove their point. And, and it's confirmation you, bias. It's confirmation right? bias. So that's like when people are trying to look for things that confirm what they already believe. Mm-hmm. And that is actually more salient to them. They notice it more than stuff that disproves what they already believe. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it too. I also, the way I thought about it with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp specifically from a relational kind of psychology view is just the um, age disparity mm-hmm. and Amber Heard being so And young wealth disparity. And wealth disparity. Uh, like she, early in her career 
like mm-hmm. just that power imbalance mm-hmm. i think um was she even like 25 i'm thinking of like frontal lobe <laughs> I, I mean i don't know i mean she was a very young movie star yeah which weirdly when young women are famous it's seen as a way to, as a as a grasp as a grab for fame mm-hmm. um and what's really funny is like they got together when she was a movie star and yeah. he was Johnny Depp, so he's one right. of the biggest movie stars. So right. if anybody else who was not a movie star got with Amber Heard, we would see them as making a grab for fame. But because right. Amber Heard was courted by Johnny Depp, let's it's this weird dynamic too, right, where we assume she must be a gold digger, right. which then makes him a victim. Right. But then we also assume that he's so smart and he's so clever and he's so charming that like, he's he's Johnny Depp. He's been famous for an awfully long time. Yeah. So, like the likelihood that he did not very proactively pursue her, this young beautiful movie star. Oh, totally. Yeah. A, a, but instead, it just becomes this thing of like, oh, she tricked him and trapped him, and she was after his fame and money, when like yeah. she had fame and money. Right. <sighs> yeah, it's. It's like a shame. I, I think this case, the, even how public it was, I, you know, it's, I, it's just, it's a shame. I feel like we might, in 20 years, the way, like, Britney Spears, the documentary mm-hmm. that will come out in 20 years, uh, and Heard, absolutely, same we thing. We see this narrative of, like, the way we vilify, you know, women. And, like, with, yeah, with Britney Spears, what's happening, too? Like, I've had a lot of people ask me, and I may have even said this on the podcast, I've had a lot of people say, like, what do you think? You yeah. know, this is a mental health question. And, like, the answer is, like, people with bipolar disorder should be allowed to control their bank accounts. Like, they totally they deserve autonomy. And also people with, like, millions and millions of dollars are allowed to do what they want with their time and their money. And I think I, I'm very happy for Britney and her freedom. I believe that Britney is, is happy. People are questioning, like, there were some comments when she got engaged. Um, right. And people were like, oh, he's, he's gold digging. He's whatever. Guess what? That's none of your business, actually. Right. Like, That's her choice. And, and we don't know that he is, right? Oh, like yeah. We, like, I don't think he is, but I don't know them. They've been together for a while. They've been together for a long time. I think, yeah, I mean, like, she, and she seems happy. So, she does. And isn't that the only thing that matters? I mean, I really do think, you know, when, and I try to have this attitude generally with friends, it's like, People, you know, people can date people, and you actually don't even need to like the person that they're dating, as long as they with like people in your life. With people in your life, right? I and have this have conversation so all the time. Same, and yeah. and we've had this conversation recently, actually, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. if someone's happy, their relationship may be moving quickly. Their relationship may be, but as long as you have no real signs of abuse, yeah, like be happy for your friend. Be happy. Be happy be for happy your friend's for your happiness. Friend. And also, it's a respect. It's like a respect thing. Like, yes, have enough faith in your friend that they can make decisions for themselves. Because we're all yeah. adults. They we're right? all adults. And if it doesn't go well, keep the "I be told there. you so"s to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Just be there. Because yeah. guess what? Relationships that go in with two feet on the ground and and you know wait you know three and a half years before getting engaged or moving in together and that you know do all these things like they break up too. All right. But yeah, it pe- relationships that are doing everything right also end. 
So yes. as long yeah. as your friend is not being harmed and vice versa, right. as long as your friend is not doing some harming, right. let go and let God. You really let don't know. Go. You really don't know what is going to work and you don't know what isn't, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like everything comes back to like cognitive dissonance and fear, right? Mm -hmm. Like exactly what we've been talking about Mm -hmm. is trying to, you know, like make sense of, you know, like uh, your friend being with someone that maybe you wouldn't choose to be with and that makes you feel some kind of way. Yeah. Um, And also your fear that someone you really care about will get hurt, right? It's like both of those things. Yeah. So I actually have a friend who... uh, just got engaged this uh, this week. Uh, she listens to this podcast, so congratulations. I'm not going to say your name because of what I'm about to say. Uh, <laughs> and and she sent me a text, and I was so thrilled for her. And she said that some of her friends were like not thrilled, and I was and like, said that to her. Yeah, and I was like, oh, your friends need God. to shut up. Yeah. And I will say, like, I have spent time with her and her fiance. They're like, I have only joy about this experience and I I mean I really like him so this isn't even one of those ones where I'm like I don't need to like him I'm not marrying him right, no no right. I I love this guy I love their yeah. relationship and so and she and I was just so angry that people like keep your keep your nose keep your eyes on your test keep your yeah. eyes on your page <laughs> oh my goodness and we with have... that let's talk about other people's work and what we think it says about psychology <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. I feel like uh, we went on for a bit. But there is important stuff. I think there is important stuff. And, you know, it's it's real. And I just feel really fired up about this right now. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So with that in mind, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the movie that I chose is not directly about anything that we just spoke about, but is certainly in that universe and along those lines. Oh, okay. Especially the fired up part. Oh, good. Um, Is it fired up? (laughs) <laughs> that cheerleader movie <laughs> with America Ferrera, I think, isn't it? Is she? What's the one? I think she's there's there's a cheerleader one I that love she's that. in. I just know it's she's the very like very young. It's the dude with like the like 2005 handsome blonde like douchebag face, and they're like, mm-hmm. we have to be pretend to be cheerleaders to get our like scholarship to college or something, and it's like one of those things where straight straight white guys get to just like trip and fall into like success and being like okay this is stupid it's beneath us but we're gonna win i realize i'm thinking of a movie called gotta kick it up (laughs) (laughs) but it's also about cheerleading anyways that was a moment okay so um so this movie i could not find a tagline i think because it's like more of an independent film okay but you and I have discussed this okay. as a choice. Okay. Um, and uh, it's from 2014. Okay. Trying to give you hints. That'll be enough for you to guess. Um, it's about, it's really the central kind of plot is around something that is a huge controversial topic right now. Very, very of the moment. Oh, female body autonomy? Yes. Is this uh, Obvious Child? Yes. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I love this movie, and I just think you know, I don't know. We're in we're in like a political vibe, I guess today. But like, I was like, this is the movie we have to do. I think yeah. it's a great movie. It's funny. Jenny Slate is just a gem, she, and it's also a about 
shit that's relevant. It's about relevant. abortion. It's about abortion, and it's not. I don't want to spoil it, but like you know, we can it, spoil it. They're they're just gonna yeah, listen to a commercial, and then we're gonna go through the full synopsis. Right, right, right. Okay, it's not about like this movie where you're like, oh, she's going to change her mind at the end because you watch her entire emotional journey Mm -hmm. of going through this experience. And, you know, like with Juno, Mm -hmm. Juno's an example Mm -hmm. of like, she thought she was going to get an abortion. She goes there. There's, uh, you know, some kind of interaction that she has. She changes her mind. Yeah. Gives the baby up for adoption. That's not to say, like, that's totally fine. It's about a woman's right to what? choose yeah. whether or and not so she wants it is to this really interesting birth. tension in this movie where i feel like the audience i mean i even felt it of like is she going to change her mind are they setting us up for like her to change her mind at the end and she kind of like says that she's going to have an abortion you see her kind of navigate that emotionally and then she has an abortion mm-hmm. and that's the movie mm-hmm. and i feel like that just straight up portraying that because it's not like women are like excited to go get abortions. No. You know what I mean? It's not like a great time. It's not a know? vacation. It's not. And, and so Yeah. I think that showing that side of it of like, yes and, you know, like yes, she's getting an abortion and it's really hard. Mm-hmm. You know? I just I love this movie so much. Yeah, it's the right decision and yeah. it's a hard decision. Exactly. For her. Exactly. But she still is making the decision that she wants to make. There's no, you know, moment of some character coming in and changing her mind. Right. Yeah, we have on this, especially for people that are very, you know, feminist, choice-oriented folks, we've done Juno and Saved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, Saved. That was more recently. I yeah, that was Juno last first. week. But just like lots of pregnant ladies and no schmishmorsions. Yeah. I was literally, you said it, and I was thinking of uh, Ava Amuri saying, it's too late for the big A, which is the only yeah. time they mention it in. Um, yeah. As yeah. even anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I love this movie. I kind of want to, even within Juno and Saved, like, that is a plot point. Um, mm-hmm. And we talk about it, but I want to, like, dig into this. A Let's dig bit in. More. Yeah. Um, for folks that haven't seen this movie, um, I cannot tell you, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is funny, it is heartfelt, it is beautiful, and we will give you a synopsis right after this break. Bye. Bye. than ever y'all are knowing if you follow the instagram this is now uh we we had a bit of a delay because uh dr jd barton had a case of the barfs and uh was not able to i had morning sickness jd barfton jd dr barfton um <laughs> dr jd barfton gady gady barfin um barfington yeah that's me uh that was me it's not me anymore and um, good Dr. Joanna Witkin was kind enough uh, to continue to, to, to support me and allow me to not podcast uh, on our normal day <laughs> at our normal time. Um, so we yeah. are back. Um, and we just watched Obvious Child. How'd it go? Uh, I mean, 
this movie is funnier and better than I even remembered, and I remembered loving it uh, when I first saw yeah. it. I've seen it a few times. It's just, it's really good. I think, well, how did it go for you? I love this movie. I love this movie so much. Um, I think it is so funny. I really love Jenny Slate as a stand-up comedian in general. She's so charming in this movie, too. She's so charming. She's so lovely. She's such a perfect amount of mess to charm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where it's like she's falling apart, but I'm not, like, mad at her like I am usually when it's men. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, and for this kind of movie and this kind of, like, you know, plot, I think Jenny Slate is maybe one of the only people I can think of that could really pull it off. Could really pull it off. You know, the thing I love especially about this movie is her friendships with mm-hmm. Gabby Hoffman and Gabe Liedman. Yes, yes. They just feel really real. Well, Gabe Liedman is like her Is her actual life. best friend. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, even... Uh, sometimes acting with people that you're actually friends with can be so much harder because you have yeah. a, your real relationship. I and I don't think Jenny Slate is quite as messy as this I, here's the thing you say you don't know that you would know but go back to a few podcasts ago and you, when you were like oh no we had to change what we were going to do small talk about oh god oh god what do I say <laughs> I would be like that with anybody that's true but I'm just saying I'm the Gabe leading into your Jenny Slate yeah yeah except I am not as charming or funny listen thousands of downloads would disagree <laughs> Although she probably, if she had a podcast, would have a lot more downloads than us. Anyways. I would listen to that. Let's talk about what happens in this movie. Uh, I know a lot of folks haven't seen it, so we're going to try to not meander too much while we do this synopsis uh, to really just give you a a clear idea. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward kind of story. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, like, stuff in between Mm -hmm. that makes it really rich. But basically, Jenny Slate is Donna Stern. Donna Stern. Donna Stern. And she's a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, you see in the beginning of the film, she has a boyfriend that she's doing a lot of bits about. A lot of bits um, about him. Hilarious bits, but, you know, bits, whatever. So after the show, you can see he's, like, uncomfortable, and he breaks up with her and actually tells her that he's been sleeping with one of her best friends. That sucks. Cue, like, her going into this whole, uh, you know, morning of, like, this relationship. Downward spiral. Yeah, really, really, I mean, she's really struggling. She's supposed to be, like, what, late 20s? She's supposed to be, um, yeah, late late 20s, probably, like, 27, I would guess, because she says, like, you're yeah. 30, and she's, like, in a few years. Yeah, um, and so, yeah, she's really struggling, but apparently no one in her family really liked The guy, him, but, but also, like, I mean, yeah. we only got one scene with that guy, and he seemed like a real butt munch. Yeah, he seemed, I mean, like, he was sleeping annoying, with one but... of her best friends, like, yeah, that's, for a while. that's not good. Yeah. So you see uh, she has two best friends, as we talked about, Gabby Hoffman, who's Nellie, um, and I think Nellie, and then Gabe Liedman, who's mm, somebody. Gabe Liedman. I yeah, don't know. <laughs> her, her best friend, who's also a stand-up. Um, and so, you know, she's, she's mourning. She's drinking a lot. She goes out with Gabe Liedman after, like, one of her shows, I think, the one where she was very messy. Where she's she real messy. Kind of she starts by saying, I recently yeah. was dumped up with. 
and does a whole thing yeah. about how and it's like not it's kind of it's not funny she makes some uh some suicide jokes that i think like the yeah. audience in general are just like not feeling uh safe yeah or it's cared a bit for. of a train wreck mm-hmm. yeah um but then she is just drinking to cope with i guess the breakup and also how poorly her set went um and she meets this guy who's like seems like a very he's what finance bro i don't know or tech or something, because he's talking about this app. Um, so anyways, he's like this Mr. Nice Guy, like, wears the button-down, uh, like, shirts and, and uh, dock, loafers. Uh, yeah, loafers or uh, uh, boat shoes, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, boat yeah. Shoes. And so they end up both drinking a lot, have a one-night stand. Um, she is kind of like <laughs> wakes up and... You know, leaves, doesn't think she's going to see him again. She works at a bookstore. That's closing. Um, that's closing. Yeah, so, like, all of these things are ending in her life. She's having, I, I feel like it's a bit of a quarter-life quarter life crisis. crisis. Like I mean, this, she's yeah. she's in a real failure to launch, and she's trying to yeah. figure out what to do. Um, and you discover in sort of this, very shortly in the aftermath of this, that she's very close with her dad, who's very warm. He's very, he's very cloth monkey, and her mom is very mm-hmm. wire monkey, which is a... Yes. Very weird developmental psychology reference to make. Um, <laughs> but basically, her, her dad is so sweet and silly, played by Richard Kind. And her mom, I don't know who plays her mom, um, is a business professor at Columbia or something like that. Like yeah, some, like kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. And her dad is very warm and her mom is very like, when are you going to get your life together? Why do you keep trying to be a stand-up? Yeah. Why don't you just, why don't you just... And you sort of see that the way that Jenny Slate bristles at her mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after, like, we've gotten more of this sort of setup, um, cute guy, Jake, Jake Lacey, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, Jake yeah. Lacey, who's the love interest, uh, comes and shows up. Oh, wait, first she has to find out she's pregnant. Right, so there's this whole scene where she's like, oh, my boobs hurt real bad. She's trying to close with her friend Nellie. She um, barfed all day and had to delay her podcast. <laughs> uh, you find out that Nellie, her friend, has had an abortion yes. uh, in the past. And so, um, you know, knowing that she kind of makes a like, flippant remark, like, oh, you might be pregnant. And then she kind of realizes, oh, my gosh, I might be pregnant. She takes a pregnancy test. It is positive. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to Planned Parenthood. Gets Goes to Planned Parenthood, kind of uh, talks to a professional about her options, but seems very, you know, certain that she wants an abortion, mm-hmm. um, and is an it's an emotional scene mm-hmm. for a few reasons. I mean, just the cost of the procedure alone, right? Like $500. makes her burst into tears. Yeah, and um, on she Valentine's feels very Day, overwhelmed. they yeah. schedule it for yeah, Valentine's the day, day. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, you see her kind of, you know, understanding the, the weight of the situation yeah. and, and, but also kind of knowing what she is going to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so then, so then what happens? So then, uh, she is in the bookstore and Jake Lacey comes and when she's in the box, she's in the box yeah. and he asks her out mm-hmm. and she says she can't because she's busy with the store and kind of. Gives him a little bit of the brush off. And mm-hmm. then um, shortly after that, she's at her mom's house. Uh, 
going through mail because her mom, of course, whenever she sees her mom, her mom is just telling her what to do in different mm-hmm. ways. And um, don't worry, that's going to pay off. And uh, she's just telling her what to do. And she's going through some mail that her mom is asking her to go through. And who walks in to her mother's apartment but Jake Lacey. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a cute little tete-a-tete where you find out that he was a former student of her mom's. Yeah, and, and really admires her. and yeah. Really admires her. And um, they have a cute little bit about wearing Crocs. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says that she thinks Crocs feel like they're made out of angels' titty skins, um, which is <laughs> such a specific Jenny Slate joke. Um, yeah. And then they decide to grab a bite, and they go, uh, you know, I'm assuming like just down the street or down the block from her, her mom's place, and they eat at this Italian restaurant. And there, she kind of really starts to fall for this guy because he warms her butter in his hands for her. I love that. It's yeah. so cute. And then yeah. he says he really someday wants to be a grandpa. She knows mm-hmm. she's pregnant with his child, um, but she's also planning that she has a scheduled abortion. And she's thinking about telling him. You see, she's kind of wrestling. She's with kind like of about to, and then he said he wants him, to be a yeah. grandpa, and she just like wasn't. She kind of loses steam a little bit. Yeah. And they Which also just fair. have like really good banter, like the two of them back and yeah. forth. It's really cute. It's really solid. Yeah. Um, and then she. Uh, invites him to her comedy show the next day. He kind of invites himself. He kind of invites like, himself, yeah. yeah. And um, she, at the comedy show, is talking with the dude who like books it or schedules it or whatever, who's played by David, David Cross, um, who uh, has, has his own history of things. It was actually surprising that he played this yucky comedy booker because... I mean, yeah, it kind He's of done some yucky from our things. discussions, yeah, from our discussions um, and before I was like, wow, this seems like probably about right. I mean, I think um, it was mainly racism is what he did wrong. Oh, okay. I looked into it. <laughs> um, it was racism um, and it was not, it was a bad apology for racism. Um, cool, cool, Anyways, cool. so he plays a sleazy dude who like invites her back to his place to hang out just and they're leaving just as Jake Lacey is showing up and she's like oh no I'm leaving but it's not like like that and he's like it looks like it's like that and then anyways that's their like big you know rift yeah he gets kind of turned off by that and just kind of pieces out he kind of pieces out she goes over to his house he again hits on her it's she again rejects him actually there's a really great moment where he says how come we never did this before and she said because one time I rejected you and you wouldn't talk to me for like two years after that yeah. um, or you've treated me like shit for two years you yeah. know um, she goes home after he, you know, makes a fool of himself and plays just like a skis. Yeah. She tries to tell him, like she calls him a few mm-hmm. times and is trying to reach out to him because she realizes that, you know, she was unfair to him and she, you know, she like apologizes. He does not return any of her calls. He does not. Uh, she then. And so she, yeah. I was going to say go she ahead. goes to her mom's house. She's feeling really, really down. Yeah. She goes to her mom's house um, and asks kind of while starts to cry and says like can I please get in bed with you and gets in bed with her mom and tells her mom that she's pregnant and she's having an abortion and her mom says oh thank god yeah Uh, and her mom then tells her the story of when she had an abortion that was not which is a legal abortion it was a really Mm -hmm. rough story um and when I was watching this the first time is when I first realized that 
100% of the women who have, you know, substantial roles in this film have had abortions, right? Of the characters, right? Mm -hmm. All of the women, and there's not a lot of characters, but all the women have had abortions, um, which I think is so important and profound to name. And they have a really nice talk. And they sort of, you know, her mom even says, like, I know that things are, you know, weird between us right now, but, like, you can always talk to me. Um, And it's such a nice, it's just such a nice talk. It's really sweet. That's one of my favorite scenes, Mm -hmm. too. It's just like, yeah, there's all this kind of, like, bullshit in our dynamic, but, like, this is beyond that. And, like, this is just womanhood in general. And And it's so, you know, Gabby Hoffman, when she tells her story, is a teenage girl. And they ask her, like, how do you feel about it? She goes, you know, I get sad about it. I get sad for my 15-year-old self. Yeah. I get sad for that for that girl. Yeah, and she doesn't regret it. She doesn't regret it. She never regrets it. She knows it was the right Mm -hmm. thing to do. Um, But she's sad for the girl that had to deal with it, right? And um, Yeah. Yeah, so from there, uh, Jenny Slate invites, throws a Hail Mary pass to this guy to come to her stand-up show, to Jake Lacey. Mm -hmm. She puts on a stand-up set, and of course, just before she goes in, um, or just before she starts, Jake Lacey walks in, and mm-hmm. she does a really beautiful stand-up set about how she's gonna have an abortion tomorrow. Yeah, and it's really good. Um, we're we're working very hard to not just tell you all the funny jokes in this movie, so that when you all see it, you can enjoy it because Jenny Slate tells <laughs> so it better than we good can. Ones, yeah. Um, and then the next day, uh, she tries to find him at, at the end, and he's left. He took off. Uh, understandably it was a lot to share uh, publicly and a big way to tell him and then the next day she's waiting for the car with Gabby Hoffman to go to get her abortion and he shows up with flowers and he asks if he can go with her and then they watch a movie on the couch afterwards yeah and you see kind of the the hope of Mm -hmm. like this blossoming kind of relationship and that's how they leave Mm -hmm. it also there's like a beautiful scene like series of scenes of her at the clinic like sort of going through this experience with just like a line of other women who are all uh, yeah going through that today yeah that end scene of her after she had gotten the procedure she's kind of in a room in like with all these other women mm-hmm. yeah recovery room of all these women of different ages are, yeah completely different ages but have all kind of made this decision yeah um and yeah, that's like a very powerful scene. And she has like one or two tears. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then goes home and watches a movie on the couch with with Jake Lacey. Yeah. Gone with the wind. They've never seen it. And it's really, really long. And he says, well, I'm yeah. not going anywhere. Something like that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Or he says, um, where? You have somewhere to be? Something like that is what he right, says. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just like... It's a love story. It's a romantic and comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was reading something in The Guardian around the time like this came out, or maybe it was like another international release or something. Mm-hmm. It was talking about um, basically what we were talking about mm-hmm. in the intro, which is like, you know, Hollywood is kind of this liberal, like you, everyone's pro-choice and whatever, but often in films... Right. They're like, yes, pro-choice, maybe they're grappling with decisions, but ultimately they choose to uh, 
move forward with the pregnancy, mm-hmm. like in Juno and in Saved. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the more palatable, like, plot mm-hmm. for people and audiences to kind of fathom. And so this movie really was, like, uh, uh, like interesting in that it really diverged from that and was like, no, this is the story about a woman uh, with an unintended pregnancy mm-hmm. and who gets an abortion and it's really hard and she's you know like grappling with that and seeking community with the women in her life mm-hmm. and also dating and also just being in her 20s um but this is something that she does and to shed light on like how like how many women have like dealt with similar issues right or similar situations and just like not talking about it behind closed doors and you know just really like being more open about it I think um or just like you know showing it for the audience to see like it's not and I will say like the first time I saw it like it's not like a uh super fun right like it's a serious situation but it's also funny but it's also sad like it's just uh I think it I don't know it's a really like comprehensive like whole picture of, of what that experience is probably like yeah I mean it's it's this movie is such a beautiful picture of how universal this experience is for women how yeah. seriously uh, you can take it without uh, it being a hard decision right like, yes and and how and just several good examples of how a parent or how a partner or how a friend can talk to somebody when they're in these moments. Like the the thing that's great about this is that really the people in her life get it right in yes. so many ways. And I think it's she so has important a lot in of this. Support. Yeah. yeah. But there's so few examples. I mean, like even just mm-hmm. there we don't always have good examples of like how to get it right. I saw something on Instagram that uh, the other day that was like, um, you know, if your child comes out to you, don't tell them you still love them. Right. Right. And it's that kind of talk. Right. And, and I feel like they do that like a, a, a really nice job of saying like. This is, you know, this is life and yeah. all of this is important and mm-hmm. it's not like, a, you know, even just to put the language of like there's something, you know, when the when she says I, I'm, you know, I'm pregnant, I'm, I'm having an abortion and her mom says like, oh, thank God, I thought it was I thought you were going to move to L.A. That's what she says. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to tell me you were moving to L.A. Mm-hmm. And, like, it sh- shows, right, that, like, that's, um, you know, the, the way to embrace somebody when they're going through something um, is so, there's so few really, really good examples. We usually, in movies, get the mess up and then the fix. Right. And it's nice that, yeah. that they just did it right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think it's... That's, I don't know, it's one of those things that, like, I, I think this happens with women who have miscarriages, too, of just, like, once it happens to you, you realize, like, just the huge network and huge. population of women who have gone through the huge. same thing, but no one ever talks about mm-hmm. it. Um, and, you know, I mean, yeah, abortion is a universal kind of experience, even if you haven't had an abortion as like someone who can get pregnant yeah. it's something that I mean me personally I've not had an abortion but like thought about it 
what would I do? Like, this is something that I, what would, like, what would, you know, what would I do if it happened? Like, what, you know, what are my choices? Like, just always kind of thinking about it as a possibility. Totally. Um, You know, like, yeah. I think especially in light of current political Mm. circumstances, I wanted to do this movie even more. Um, It's a beautiful movie. It's It's really, really good. Um, If you haven't seen this movie, y'all, it's uh, uh, and you can rent it anywhere. It's also on Showtime. Yes, I rented it on Amazon. I have Showtime. Ooh. Sorry, sorry that I have a podcast and I take movie watching seriously. You can have my password. <laughs> let's let's talk. Let's talk. We'll talk. On, we'll break. talk on the side. <laughs> um, tell us about your research this week, Joe. Okay, so my research completely aligns with kind of everything we've we've talked about already yeah um it's almost like i planned that um but just to kind of level set so you know some of the the studies that i looked at i mean there's a ton it's interesting because there's lots of research from the 70s Mm -hmm. and then a lot of research very recently Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of like peppered in between that but um it's also interesting to look at who is writing these papers right. and where they are from. Right. Um, and so there's kind of across the board, like most of the studies that I kind of favored were written by women. Okay. Um, but there's, you know, women in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's one paper that was in the Netherlands because that, I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, you know, just really naming like these contextual, like demographic factors that really matter not only in where you're studying people, but who's reporting it right. to, because this is such a controversial topic. Right. It's just something to like keep in mind when you're reading about these things. Um, but anyway, so uh, in one of these papers, they talk about, you know, really like exploring women's decisions following an unintended pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they cite some statistics. This one's from 2018, so a couple of years old, but approximately half of all pregnancies are unintended. Right. Um, 58% of them are carried to term, but 42% of unintended pregnancies are terminated. Um, 42% of unwanted pregnancies are terminated. Yes. So it's like, what, 42% of 50%, right? If half of all pregnancies are unintended. Is that 21% of all pregnancies? Sounds good to me. Yeah, um, women often know whether they want to terminate or not upon pregnancy discovery. Ooh, However, like they know already. Twenty-five, yeah, mm-hmm. twenty-five to thirty-two percent of women experience decision difficulty to some extent. Okay, um, and so I looked and in kind of into those factors. Um, really, the biggest thing across all of these studies, though, is something that we've already named, which is parental and partner support. Right. Um, is being just like the hugest predictor, not only in terms of like positive and negatively impacting the decision Mm -hmm. to terminate or not, but also post-abortion outcomes like psychologically and health-wise of, you know, having parental support is obviously more important for younger uh, women. Right. And having partner support tends right. to be like a better predictor for older women for obvious reasons. Um, but really like this decisional autonomy being a huge part of this. So 
not only just like do, do your parents or your partner support you, but how um, how pushy are they in terms of what your decision is? And there's a lot of, you know, like situations where parents kind of mm-hmm. make the decision yeah. for them or partners, totally. right? Because we live in a patriarchy. Uh, and yeah, so decisional autonomy is, is a big predictor of favorable post post abortion outcomes for women, especially ones that are related to like whether or not they regret the decision, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. Um, and so I kind of dug deeper into some of these kind of factors impacting that the decision making process. So there's this Netherlands article by Brouwer um, et al. from 2019. Uh, so they looked at um, women in kind of three groups. So these are all women who have unintended pregnancies. Uh-huh. One group is women who um, had low decision difficulty and had an abortion, uh-huh. women who had high decision difficulty and had an abortion, and women who went forward with the pregnancy. Um, and even though, you know, this is in the Netherlands where, you know, a lot of the limitations of the study is it's a very homogenous population. Um, This is one of the few studies that includes women who proceeded with pregnancy as part of this group. That's Um, important. Yeah. And so, um, so they, they looked at kind of the factors that impacted that decision-making process. So high, high women who had high difficulty, making the decision but went forward with an abortion had similar decision making like profiles Mm -hmm. to women who proceeded with the pregnancy and women with low um, decision difficulty who went forward with abortions uh, really had a distinct kind of profile Um, and you know all everyone kind of across the board the majority of people expressed that you know the decision was tough they carefully considered what they wanted to do um, most women were satisfied with their final cho- mm-hmm. choice. So there was, most women did not regret their decision. The women who had low decision difficulty were had the highest satisfaction with the the outcomes. Wow. Um, because they were more certain at the outset. Um, yeah. Which makes sense. Um, women who, so like kind of diving into the high difficulty, high decision difficulty, mm-hmm. and the women who proceeded with pregnancy, uh-huh. um, there was a kind of differentiator between those two groups in terms of women who move forward with pregnancy sought professional help with decision making whereas women who had high difficulty often didn't and i think my interpretation of that is something to do with stigma yeah um and being afraid of being stigmatized in terms of making that decision and in fact they do talk about that um both of those groups, women who had high difficult decision difficulty, women who proceeded with the pregnancy, endorsed stereotypes and misconceptions right. about, about abortion what it more to than be the a woman who has an abortion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And more than the women who had low decision difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, and those uh, stigmas are kind of being susceptible to this, you know, believing those stereotypes and misconceptions is correlated or has been shown to be correlated with increased post-abortion distress mm-hmm. and physical health symptoms. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. this is to name because some of some of this, there, there's some assumptions that like all women who have abortions are going to have these post-abortion regret and Shame you know and, psychological yeah. mm-hmm. disorders. And there's another study by Horvath and Shriver from 2017 that shows that 
Um, rates of depression are not significantly different between women obtaining an abortion and those denied abortion. Wow. Rates of anxiety are initially higher in women who are denied abortion care. I bet. For obvious I reasons. Bet. But, you know, the, the, the act of getting an abortion itself is not a predictor of, like, post-abortion negative right. outcomes. There's, you know, other, other things like uh, having, like, risk for uh, mental disorders prior mm-hmm. to having the abortion mm-hmm. is probably the biggest predictor, which makes sense. Um, but, yeah, those, as I said before, like, so the proportion of abortion clients with regret is small. And those who felt regret almost always had high pressure from a partner or a parent. Uh, so this decisional autonomy yeah. is really critical. Um, and even just concern about partners and partner support was also a huge factor in the difficulty of their decision. So these women in these high decision difficulty, this high decision difficulty group um, endorsed like more concerns about their partner and what they thought and, you know, um, their their level of support. Do you know what this reminds me of is the study on um, women who buy into benevolent sexism and their yes. sort of like the the roles that they tend to then occupy and, and that kind of thing. It feels very similar. Yeah. It, it Yeah, I mean, I think too there's all of these studies that look at these like, you know, risk factors. Um, so... There's like uh, in one study that looked at over 5,000 women mm-hmm. who sought abortions. Mm-hmm. They just looked at variables. So these are correlations um, with high confidence or low confidence in their decision. Okay. So being younger than 20, being black, not having a high school diploma, having a history of depression, having a fetus with an anomaly, endorsing general difficulty making decisions and having religious concerns were all associated with higher decision difficulty. Um, And as we said before, having a supportive mother specifically in this study or male partner was associated with um, increased confidence in their their decision. So this is, you know, in a pretty big sample, although it is only from one U.S. clinic. uh, So that, you know, keep that in mind. But even within this population, um, 87% 87% of them had high confidence in their decision right. before receiving counseling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the statistics kind of vary, but, you know, a lot of women, like, know what they want to do mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, and Imagine that. And a of them have regret, you know? Yeah. And a lot of these negative outcomes are a function of the support and the autonomy that they have in making this decision. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Which, I mean, makes total sense. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, you know, we should be able to make decisions about our own bodies and not have that decided for us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like that. It's almost like that. Yeah. So anyways, I mean, I think a lot of this lines up with this this film, too, and why in in her kind of knowing what she wants to do, not having regret about Mm -hmm. it, and also having that support. Mm -hmm. Um, only kind of 100%. increasing the likelihood of her like being confident in her decision and having low regret. Yeah. You know, I was just talking with a friend yesterday about this who, you know, she has a son, she has a mm-hmm. husband, and got pregnant. 
and financially and like uh, all of the reasons she was like this will make my life worse this will make my husband's life worse this will make my son's life worse Mm -hmm. financially we already are struggling adding a baby will not help yeah anything yeah other than that's one of these factors yeah yeah and so she that are involved in this decision making process is like resources right it was the right decision yeah the right decision was an abortion and she regrets nothing yeah exactly i mean i like it too the way that nelly the character in this movie talks about it of just like feeling sad for herself Mm -hmm. and kind of you know being in that state but not having regret her mother really like shedding tears when she's recounting this experience but also not having any regret despite the fact that it sounded like an incredibly dangerous uh experience Mm -hmm. and wanting that for her daughter as well Mm -hmm. not hesitating to kind of support her in that yeah it's so good so do you want to know my research yeah so my research was to think of the best OBGYN I know and have him come on to the podcast (laughs) and talk about abortions A show and tell. A show and tell. So right after this break, we are going to be back with an extra special guest. Yay. Yay. Yeah, that's, I I mean, what better, like, circumstance to have an expert on this (laughs) this podcast. Exactly. Because I think there's a lot of amazing, like, and important medical information to know. And and just even sharing, like, what is the process? What does it yeah. look like? How does it work? When is the right time to do it medically? When is not the right time to, you know, like all of these different things. Time meaning, um, yeah, weeks, I mean, not there's... meaning like it's appropriate for you or it's not appropriate for you kind of thing. But like, right. yeah. You know, we, we know the psychology side and can talk to that, yeah. but this is a medical This is a medical <laughs> thing. So we will so be let's talk about back it. with. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A physician right after this break. Yay, bye. Bye. All right, denizens of the internet, we are back, and I am here with my friend, Dr. Shiva Iyer who is Chief OBGYN resident at a major hospital in Los Angeles. His interest is in general OBGYN with an emphasis in family planning and abortion care. And so y'all, this is all up in our business for Obvious Child. This is exactly what we've been digging into today. So uh, this is a really general question. I am a gay person. I don't have a vagina. I don't have a uterus. (laughs) I've not yet gotten pregnant. so I truly don't understand what is the typical process of an abortion. 
Cool. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, JD. Thank you for coming. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. The first thing I actually want to address is the term abortion before we sort of answer your question. Great. So in terms of abortion, it's a very charged word, mm-hmm. I'll say. But medically, abortion actually means um, a pregnancy that has ended in any fashion, whether it is an induced abortion, which is what we're talking about today, mm-hmm. um, and especially in reference to the movie, that is somebody who has elected to terminate their pregnancy for okay. whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people and a lot of people who are listening to this podcast might actually have gone through this process and maybe see on their medical chart um, if they've undergone a miscarriage, something that they've had a an abortion or a missed abortion or something called a a threatened abortion. Um, And that doesn't mean that this pregnancy was necessarily not wanted by that particular person. Um, But abortion is a term that's used uh, in the medical world to describe a pregnancy that's ended. And I think a lot of that is kind of what drives the controversy between the medical field, at least OBGYNs, who deal with this on a daily basis, um, and sort of people looking at this from the outside who may have their own sort of opinions about what abortion is. That is so interesting. What's a missed abortion? Well, so a missed abortion, also something called a missed miscarriage, is somebody who maybe doesn't have any symptoms of a miscarriage. So typically things like vaginal bleeding, cramping, they maybe go to, or maybe they have a little bit of spotting. They go to an appointment. Maybe they show up at the ER, urgent care, an ultrasound is done, and there's unfortunately no pregnancy inside the uterus, or there's a pregnancy, but there's no heartbeat. So this is somebody who has had a miscarriage, but they don't have actually symptoms of a miscarriage. So these are all kind of terms that we use. Uh, We use abortion interchangeably in different medical contexts. There's something called a threatened abortion, which is somebody who's had vaginal bleeding in early pregnancy, but they haven't uh, unfortunately passed the pregnancy quite yet. Um, So these are all kind of different terms that we can use to describe miscarriages or abortions. Um, And I think the favorite term, especially by um, family planning experts, is induced abortions for a termination that um, somebody chooses to have. Okay. And so what is that process? What is that like? Yeah. So it really depends. Um, Most people, so about 80% 80 to 90% of abortions actually happen in the first trimester. um, And actually a very small minority of them happen in the second trimester, which is considered about after 14, 15 weeks or so. Um, In terms of the process for an abortion, typically it really obviously varies from state to state. Usually it involves somebody who has had some sort of ultrasound in the pregnancy to confirm that there's a pregnancy inside of the uterus. They come to a decision that they that they would like to terminate. Um, and then they usually talk to their physician. And there's usually a couple of different ways that you can do it. Now, let's say somebody is a little bit earlier. Um, let's say that they're before 10 weeks. And uh, a thing about weeks of pregnancy that OBGYNs use is that we use weeks 
in, to measure the, the length or the gestational age or how far along you are rather than what people think of as months in pregnancy right. um, because the last menstrual period is something that everybody can sort of, it's a clinically measurable event. Okay. So, I've always wondered that why it's always from, from the last, like, quote, missed period. Period, where yeah. technically insemination, fertilization, all of those things doesn't necessarily start at that point. No, not at all. You're right. Um, and I think most people think about it in terms of conception and conception time or time from conception. But for physicians, OBGYNs, mm -hmm. um, and people who take care of pregnant people, um, they measure it in terms of the last the first day of the last menstrual period so for people who are before about 10 weeks there's an option to use a medication abortion or a surgical procedure um, medication abortion is usually with two different medications. One of them is called Mifepristone. Um, Mifepristone also used to be called RU486, so that oh, might be, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'm might be, that. yep. That might be a term that people have heard before. Mm -hmm. um, mifepristone and mesoprostol. And these two medications in combination um, will induce a, an abortion, the process of uh, an abortion with about 95% success as long as the um, person who was pregnant is before about 10 weeks and zero days of pregnancy. Okay. So that's an option for someone who's early. Um, for someone who doesn't really want, the advantages of doing the medication are that um, you can do it in the privacy of your own home. And I know a lot of people uh, or people may be aware that there's these talks about making abortion medications more accessible so that people can have mail order abortion medications, essentially. Right. Um, so that's one of the advantages is that it can be done in the privacy of one's own home. The disadvantages of it um, are actually that it, it can be quite painful um, okay. and people can have a lot of bleeding. Um, somebody who is prescribing these types of medications needs to be very aware of that fact. And uh, I always tend to send my patients home who are undergoing a medication abortion with um, a ton of pain medicines, anti-nausea medicine, anti-gas medicine, because these medications can cause some uh, stomach side effects, things like mm -hmm. that. Um, and then also giving people the precautions that, hey, you're going to bleed a lot and it may be alarming to you, but... You know, there's if if you really do get worried, you feel dizzy, you're really soaking up pads, then you got to go to the emergency room for an evaluation. Um, so that's one of the disadvantages is that it's um, it can be quite painful. It's unpredictable. I can't necessarily advise a patient one way or the other to say that hey, this is going to take X amount of days. Right. Usually, it is completed within about a day or two. Um, some people may need additional doses of medication. And for that sort of minority of people that about five to less than 5% who do not successfully pass the pregnancy, they will have to be consented for a procedure. Okay. Which sort of brings me to the next way yeah. uh, that this can be done, which is through a procedure um, either called a suction DNC or a manual vacuum aspiration. Um, that manual vacuum aspiration sometimes can be done in the clinic under very um, under local anesthesia. So sometimes 
people, we do this in clinic all the time. We give you injections, numbing injections in the cervix um, to help numb things up. Um, we have, a, at least at my institution, we have a whole sort of protocol for doing anesthesia on these mm-hmm. folks. Um, but typically, they're not really sedated. Um, we give, we offer our patients a Xanax prior to the procedure if they would like it. Um, and about 50-50 people take it. Some people don't. Um, Which is pretty typical, I think, prior to surgery. But benzodiazepines, we used to, when I was doing research on children, the psychological impact of like experiencing uh, tonsillectomy, adenoidectomy surgery, we were giving midazolam. Yeah, which yeah, is, Versed. That's a benzo, yeah? Yeah, Versed. Versed. And so watching all these little kids get hit with these benzos and just they're freaking out, they're freaking out, and all of a sudden they are chill. Yeah. It works on the same receptors in your brain as alcohol, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So y'all don't mix your benzos with alcohol. Please don't. Kindly do not. Yes. Um, also, they are habit-forming, just like alcohol. Well, you're you guys are getting all sorts of good information from from the show. I well, mean, I should hope so. <laughs> the purpose of the show is good information, right? Of course, of course. But now I've got a medical stamp on my watch out with those benzos, y'all. There you go. I forgot my big rubber stamp today. Thank you. It's fine. Um, so essentially, it can be done in the clinic. Um, we use a small straw-like device um, that we pass through the cervix. We have to dilate the cervix a little bit. We pass it through this the cervix, um, and we enter the uterus, and we use um, gentle suction to remove the contents of the pregnancy. Um, There's also an option for someone to have this done in the operating room with IV sedation. Sometimes there can be deeper anesthesia, depending on the patient's preference, the patient's medical problems. Um, but typically it's, it's a similar type of process, um, a, a kind of straw-like device is used to pass into the uterus to remove the, excuse me, the pregnancy contents. Um, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then it's, it's pretty much done. The disadvantages of doing the surgical procedures are that it is a surgical procedure. Um, some people are not really interested in having a surgery. It makes them nervous. Um, and then it comes with its own surgical risks. So things like that straw-like device, we could poke a hole in the uterus. That's called a uterine perforation. It's pretty rare, about one in a thousand, but it's still a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bleeding, infection, these are all things that are kind of standard risks of any sort of surgical procedure. Mm-hmm. Um Although we do give um, antibiotics typically um, before we do these procedures. Um, The advantages to it are that um, there's really not that much follow-up required. Um, It's a one-and-done thing. So if someone has this procedure, they can essentially go home and not have to come back. With the medication, usually you have to schedule someone for a repeat ultrasound, which is done vaginally, a transvaginal ultrasound to basically assure that that there is no that there is no pregnancy inside the uterus yeah so the i think in the film what we see is this second process yeah you probably see what's called the the manual vacuum aspiration or the suction dnc is this typically covered by health insurance it really depends so we are coming to you live from the state of california and the california California, um, California Health Insurance has this clause called F-Pact, which 
essentially covers contraception, um, especially contraception and abortion services, but it really does depend on who your insurer is. Um, there are certain uh, healthcare institutions who do not provide abortion services. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, you will have to be, or if a person desires an abortion or an, uh, an elective termination, an induced abortion, they will have to be referred out. Um, so it's, it really depends on what insurance a person has on whether this kind of stuff is covered or not. So a board of just like random, probably white dudes gets to pick whether abortion is covered. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. That is essentially what this all is. Okay. Well, let's also name uh, a bit of the uh, elephant in the room. You and I are both gay men sitting in here. Not a lot. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> not a lot of recreational uh, experience with um, vulva. Right. Um, what made you want to be an OBGYN? Um, well, a whole lot of things. I actually think it's a field that lends itself to a lot of progressiveness progressivity i don't know what the word is but um sure. yeah um i'm making that word up um fox news would call it liberal wokeness yes ex blind wokeness exactly the coastal elite you wanted to be the most elite coastal i became an obgyn then you became an obgyn um but essentially i wanted to join the welcome op of obgyns but no i think you just wanted to wear one of those little pink hats and, and just march around and those little pink knitted caps you would look great in one of those thank you so to much be honest. i mean with a bands off our bodies shirt yes um but actually um i think abortion rights was always something that kind of made sense to me and in medical school, I had actually never, I thought OBGYN was something that I was not going to do. Um, but women's rights has always made a lot of sense to me. Um, and the field itself has a lot of um, progressives in it. There's a lot of gay male OBGYNs, actually. Um, so I'm, you know, not alone. I'm not a, you know, a white elephant in this field. Um, and then also just kind of other things. It's got a lot of medicine, surgery. Um, it's exciting. It's fast paced. Um, and, you know, on the flip side, if you don't want an abortion, you don't have to have one. I yeah. will deliver your baby. Yeah. I will deliver your baby. I will. I'm happy to provide whatever service that you need or that is medically advisable for you at the time so it kind of was a number of different things you know one of my best friends is currently pregnant and she and i were talking the other day and she said that if she has this she's her second she says if she has um, a c-section uh when she's in there then she'll get sterilized essentially she'll have what's, yeah. is that called a tubal ligation yeah bilateral tubal ligation yes yeah. she'll have a bilateral tubal ligation um, or if she has a vaginal birth, then her husband's going to have a vasectomy, the snip, sort of the, the plan. Yeah. And she told me, um, I hope that her husband doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he does. Uh -huh. uh, she told me that um, they that her hospital, uh, because it is affiliated with a religion, uh, will not sterilize her. Yeah. They won't do it. Yeah. Which is so absurd to me. I mean, it's mind-blowing that like a woman saying like no no i'd like to not have another baby and the hospital's like we don't think that should be up to you even pre-pregnancy 
Yeah, um, that's kind of one of the things that actually drives me crazy about um, some of these anti-choice arguments is that actually recently I've been seeing a lot of people say, well, we don't want abortion to be used as birth control. Well, sir, ma'am, I don't know what else you're doing to support. What are you doing to support affordable contraception? What are you doing to promote um, sexual education for people? Like, what are you doing to actually prevent this? And I think a lot of this comes from wanting to punish female-bodied people for sexual behavior. And I just don't think that that's right. Yeah. No, it's absolutely... I mean, even just like this film... You know the the character on a one night stand gets pregnant with a dude. She's she's drunk. He's drunk. They do bring out a condom in quite a comedic way, and he puts it on his thumb and boops her nose with it. Oh, like they're Lord. just very drunk. Right? <laughs> but also like drunk people make mistakes, right? And right. for her to now for you know the rest of her life be on the hook for. Uh, a time where she was not thinking and it's women who are of course mostly punished is just I really actually like that this movie does not does not give us an example of like well okay but you know abortion's justified here because of these it's like no this is a situation where abortion is birth control yeah and and people get pregnant people get pregnant not on purpose this is not a totally irresponsible person and also like they had one irresponsible night and therefore like she does this in her first trimester. She yeah. actually has to wait. There's a timeline where she, I think she, because she does the DNC. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She does that. Um, and so they actually say you have to wait about three weeks until it's a good time to do it. I don't know. Hmm. It maybe just works to serve the plot. It, it probably would depend on how far along she was at that time. You know, technicalities technicalities she finds out she's pregnant because her boobs are sore and she missed her period so you should be able to tell exactly how long that's been right exactly otherwise you're a fraud yeah my boobs are uh, your boobs are like uh seven out of ten sore you must be like a good eight to nine weeks pregnant so come on into the clinic yeah with a (laughs) north-facing exactly so what are you know this this podcast exists mostly so Joanna and I can share fun facts, thoughts, interesting things that we've found or or learned about. Uh, so tell lay some facts on us, lay some truth on us about things that you find interesting. Well, first of all, I always like to start out by saying that over it's like something like eighty to ninety percent of all abortions are performed in the first trimester. Right. So, like I was saying earlier. Um, you know, there's all this talk about partial birth, birth abortions. I don't even know what that means. That's not it, a thing. That's not, that's not, not medical. No. Um, that's, that's just simply not a thing. No. Um, and I, then I actually saw somebody who was, I mean, this was not a, this was a person and a rant and like a very yeah. like, you know, they were being dragged, but a person literally saying that, um, uh, Biden and Harris support fourth trimester abortions which is uh infanticide which uh no one is advocating for um at least not me are you advocating for infanticide i am absolutely not great um i i I don't even have words it's so stupid and it was somebody really just be it was definitely somebody being like this is an insane person but also it means the narrative is out there 
It it a hundred percent is, and you know I've participated or I've performed second trimester abortions, which I haven't even gotten into um, yet, but which are mostly done for fetal anomalies, for the health of the mother, right. those kind of things. Mostly done for that, right? Of for course. that reason, in states where it's allowed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there's this question of viability. You know, when does a fetus become viable outside of the womb? There's a little bit different definitions. You know, in California, 23 weeks or so, something like that. Um, Other states, it's a little bit less. It's a little bit uh, further earlier, I'll I'll say. But in essence, in terms of like interesting facts and statistics, um, abortion is actually quite a safe procedure. Um, Mm -hmm. If I think if you look at overall complication rates, um, 0.6 in 1000 mortality from an abortion, whereas maternal mortality is something like eight in a thousand. 0.6 in in a thousand. So six people in 10,000. Yeah. Six people in 10,000. Will we'll have a more mortality. Right, which, I mean, compared to just general anesthesia. Right. And childbirth is far, far greater than that. It's something like eight in a thousand. So it's very, very... There are very good reasons to be in support of abortion. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, on the flip side, like I said, you know, we, I am a general OBGYN doctor. I will take care of, I will take care of patients regardless of what their desires are, you know. If they, even if they choose to have a baby. Even if they choose even to have a baby. in this economy, they, with uh, inflation. Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's very, it, it's just very confusing to me why people are anti-choice, but... You know, that's 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 me, and I feel like a lot of a lot of the country. I mean, most of our listeners, I think, are pretty pro pro choice. Good, good. I think <laughs> if you're not, um, please please send JD an email. If you're not, or maybe yeah, not, send us a message in the DMs, and I'll give you some more facts about why uh, this is used to oppress women. This rhetoric. Um, In terms of abortion rates itself, um, from 2010 to 2014, worldwide, it's about 35 per 1,000 women aged or or people with female bodies aged 15 to 44. Um, So this is all worldwide. The lowest rate of abortion is in North America, which is 17 per uh, 1,000. And the highest rate is in the Caribbean, which is 65 per 1,000. So... Um, very, very wide range. Um, that's it's also number. That's prevalence total. Yes, prevalence. Wow. Yeah. I would think it would be much higher. Exactly, but it's still, it, you know, it's and also what's also surprising is that like about fifty percent of pregnancies in the United States are unplanned. So it's a huge, huge number. So I think it's a question of access and education and for people to really understand what their options are. Um, 
I was chatting with someone who um, I was chatting with a urogynecologist who um, really believes that we need to give women all the facts about mm -hmm. pregnancy. Like, what are the future implications on their bodies? Like, are, aside from the pregnancy, like what's going to happen later on? Like, pregnancy increases the rate of prolapse, like pelvic organ prolapse in women, things like that. So these kind of things are, are you know, obviously it's it's a little graphic for me to be talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, but, we love graphic. Yeah, but I mean, these are things that women should know, and I think that they often don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot actually about like different things in mental health, like how rare it is that people acknowledge like almost what we'd consider like a strengths-based model. So like the idea of like how are how is depression serving you? How is anxiety serving you? And so I think like these these ideas of like we've got these hard pros and hard cons. So the, I think it's so important to sit with like, okay, how is pregnancy a risk to you? Yeah. And how might abortion be a safer option for you? Do we know medically where babies come from? <laughs> We're all trying to figure that one out. Because I've no experience in this. It's a man's fault. My mom told me that I was a pleasant surprise, and I don't understand <laughs> what that could mean to a married woman. I, I'm shocked she had any surprises left. Well, clearly she hadn't had this podcast to educate her well, about things. Well, it was 2002. I'm very young. It was 2002. <laughs> Podcasts were just about to be invented. Just starting. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just 20 years old. Right. You could just flip on a podcast, put on that iTunes visualizer, and just like listen your heart away. Yeah. Yeah, the new iPod had just come out. Right. The first iPod. The ones with those commercials with the silhouettes and people dancing. You remember that? I sure do. Yeah. Or you know maybe you doesn't? wouldn't because you're too young. Well, I I saw it on a VH1 show. There there you go. I studied there. my history. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, all right. Well, this has been amazing. I want to thank you. Joanna wants to thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. Um is there anything you want to plug anywhere you want people to find you? Any Anything you want people to look up and think about in their lives? Yeah, I would actually really encourage people to. Um, and if uh, some of those listeners who aren't as medically savvy, if you do have somebody medical or scientific in your life, um, I encourage people to actually look at uh, this big study that was done called the Choice Study. Um, it was done out of Wash U, Washington University mm -hmm. in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. It's basically the biggest study that was done where um, like thousands of, of women were given free con access to free contraception um, and they found essentially that unplanned pregnancy rates uh, fell, um, abortion rates fell. Wow. So if we prevent things, then maybe we don't have to be talking about these kinds of things. But even still, I think that abortion is a viable option for people and that we just we need to start accepting it more in society talking about it more just engaging with it more i mean yeah. the number of times that this has come up in different ways and i've had the number of friends that i've had that have come forward and saying like i had an abortion and it was the right choice for me and i don't regret it and it was safe uh you know and that's the thing is like obviously like choice laws don't prevent abortion they prevent safe abortion exactly yeah exactly all right, y'all. Well, this I, we apologize for the late for the late drop on this, but we wanted to give you the best episode we possibly could. 
Um, thank you for uh, for listening this week. We'll be back next week with another new episode. I have been Dr. J.D. Barton. Hi, I'm Dr. Shiva Iyer. And this has been another episode of Real Psych. Rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend. Bye-bye. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.